Hello and welcome to this month's edition of Here's the Thing. Uh, my name's Steve Caldwell and before we kick off we just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors for 2024, Wallace's Menswear in Antrim, who answered the call when we were looking for a sponsor around Christmas time and who, if you mention our podcast name when you're in shopping, you'll get yourself a fantastic 10% off your goods in Wallace's Menswear in Antrim. So thank you. Peter Stevenson and the team at Wallace's Men's Wear and Antrim for being our sponsors. Hello and welcome to March's edition of Here's the Thing, um, an honest matter about mental health. So I have to be honest, we've we've got a, a space in the schedule this month. So I've decided that after asking maybe 14, 15 people to come on to the podcast and share their story, it might be about time that I sat down and shared a little bit of my journey. I really just want to answer the question this, a question that I've been asked by a lot of people in school, in Antrim, in and around places I go, why is there a mental health podcast? Why did you start a mental health podcast? I have to be honest, it's a pretty bizarre scenario I'm in right now because I'm in the room with my two friends, Karen and Handy, and I've told them to flick through their phones and chill while I um, talk to the microphone. But I guess I want to start by saying it. My name's Steve Caldwell. I'm from Antrim. I'm 39. I am really passionate about speaking out about mental health. I started a mental health podcast about 18 months ago. And there's a lot of reasons why I started a mental health podcast. I want to start off with my family. I want to give my family a massive shout out. I am the eldest of um, three. I have a wee brother called Dave DC, he's known around Antrim, and a wee sister called Jenny. Um, I also have a really supportive mom and dad and had a very happy, healthy childhood. But I guess my, my story when it comes to mental health starts in my teenage years when it became very apparent that my dad was going through a difficult time and I can remember very clearly being in my early teenage years, finding my feet, finding my friendship group, working out who I was, and at the same time watching my dad, my hero, my role model, going through a really difficult time. I didn't really understand at the time, but I know now that my dad was really struggling with his mental health, and he was a teacher in a local school, and after several times being off his uh, job as an English teacher he finally um, retired and it was due to mental health and those teenage years I watched my dad lose a lot of weight I watched him going in and out of Hollywell I watched him get really low I watched him anxious I watched him just really struggle and it was a real baptism of fire for me when it comes to mental illness because I didn't really know at the time what it was didn't really know what it did didn't really know how to fight it but here I was as a teenager watching my dad um, fall apart really and that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is watch somebody I love and really struggle with mental health and I think that's one of the first encounters I've ever had with mental ill health 
And I think after watching my dad go through what he's gone through, I always hoped and prayed that would never happen to anyone else that I know who's close to me and also myself. So that was my teenage years. In my 20s, I had a job in a local church, which required me working long hours, which required me being very emotionally invested in a lot of people and a lot of things. And to fast forward a really long story short, whenever I was 28, I found myself in a, I found myself in a doctor's surgery in Andrum after coming away from that job leaving that job because of mental ill health and I sat alone with my GP told him I wasn't sleeping well I told him I wasn't eating well was actually at the time wet in the bed had waves and waves of anxiety low moods and I remember just looking my doctor in the eye and saying please don't tell me that I've got depression don't mention anxiety to me and I remember he said to me, you, you've, you're really struggling with depression and you're really battling anxiety. We're going to put you on some medication. We're going to get you some help. We're going to get you through this. I just remember my whole world shattering at that time because, as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I watched my dad go through a really difficult time in my teenage years and it's always been my prayer that I would never go through that myself and I'm sitting here at 39 that was when I was 28 and I guess what I really want to say is that the reason why the podcast started because of a lot of things I've gone through in the last 10 or 11 years with my own um, mental health so going back to when I was 28 years of age got that news from a doctor was going through a lot of things. Whenever I was 28, my mom was basically my care worker, making sure I was eating, changing my bed sheets at night, making sure I went for a walk, looking after me around the clock, to be honest. And yeah, fast, fast forward. As I said, I was in and out of Hollywell, um, in and out of my own GPs, trying different medication, and basically at that time I, I felt like my life was falling apart. I just want to say if that if you've been there or somebody you know has been there, that is honestly one of the scariest things that you can go through as a human being, I believe. Because I'd watched my dad go through it. My one prayer in life was that I would never go through it and here I was at twenty eight. I'm a young guy, having just left a really busy job and I found myself falling apart I found myself wanting to be underneath the bed covers every day I found myself not wanting to talk to anybody I found myself really struggling and I I used to I used to say to people at that time that I'm I'm a write-off if you're listening you don't know what a write-off is it's commonly a, a phrase people use whenever a car's been in a car accident and I just remember telling family and friends because of all that I was going through at that time that I'm a write-off, it can't be fixed. There's no hope for me, just leave me. And that was my attitude in those days when I was 28, 11 years ago, that I'm, I'm a write-off. 
And I want to say, if you're listening and that's you, as valid as it is to feel that, it's not true. And if I have learned anything from the last 11 years of going through a battle, a wrestle, so down some of the deepest, darkest valleys I've ever been down, that it's not true to say because you're struggling with your mental ill health that you are a write-off. You can't be helped. You can't make it through. Storms do end. And mental illness is not the end of you or me. Fast forward from 28. I think I'm saying fast forward a lot. But I don't want to tell you all, all the details. I'll be here for days. But those early days, I found myself on medication that was helping me get to sleep. Those early days, there were testing me on medication that would help me be less anxious and get shared in the last podcast chatting to Paul that I've always been an anxious person and in those days I was really struggling with an anxiety overload I think in the early days of being on medication it just wasn't working for me it's really difficult to go back to your GP and say what you put me on last month isn't working can you can you give me something different can you change the the dosage amount and those early days that that's what a lot of my conversation with my GP was we were trying new things we were going on things coming off things trying to hold on to new medication and a long after a long long period of time I was still really struggling with medication and should say as well, I want to mention um, seeing a therapist as well and a counsellor. I've been I've been seeing a counsellor or therapist for the best part of 15 years of my life and I, my experience of having a therapist and a counsellor is that space, that 60 minutes or 50 minutes that you get with a therapist or a counsellor is, is one of the most vital times in my week and my month. And why do you say that? If you've never been to therapy or counselling, um, the therapists and counsellors that I've had over the years have just been such a safe space. And you'll hear me say safe space a lot in this podcast because I believe it's vital whether you're a counsellor or a therapist or a friend of somebody who's going through a difficult time. I think it's your job to make sure that that place is safe. And I just thank God that over the years... On my mental health journey, I have found myself in, in the offices, in the living rooms, in the counselling rooms of people who've made it a really safe space for me to talk about the chaos that's been going on in my head. And I'm really grateful in those years, those early years of me sort of discovering that I, I had a mental health condition or conditions that I needed help with. The safety of those spaces with counsellors living rooms that I would go into and tell somebody what I'm feeling in my mind or how dark it felt or even just what I said earlier about feeling like a write-off to be able to say that to somebody and have them listen to me and have them hear me out and also just to to respond in a really safe in a really compassionate way was was an absolute lifesaver for me there were times in those early days, my early 30s, where I didn't think life was worth living anymore. I'd gone from 
leaving a job that I was really good at that had really overdone and been burnt out I suppose to being on 27 24-7 watch by my mum and not being able to eat feeling sick feeling anxious going on and off tablets <coughs> and yeah life life at times didn't feel worth living and there were several times that thought was very dominant in my mind and I know men maybe don't talk about it as much um, <coughs> but I want to talk about it I want to talk about it in this podcast I have felt suicidal many times in the last 10 years or so and I want to I want to just give you Steve's guide to feeling su- suicidal and I'm not trying to in any way um, say I'm an expert because I'm not. I'm just somebody who's been there and survived being there. Um, when I've felt suicidal, it's been because I haven't been talking about my feelings. I've, been al- I've, al- I've allowed a lot of very dark thoughts come into my mind so dark that I I feel like I can't tell anybody and generally what would happen was those thoughts would just run run rampant in my mind really and I thought I I can't I can't speak to anybody about how I'm feeling I don't want to be here I want to I want to sleep all the time I wake up at six o'clock in the morning just think to myself I want to sleep for another six to ten hours because I don't want to be here just feeling so much pain and generally it reached the stage where those, those thoughts were becoming so dominant in my mind that I had to find someone to talk to and not just my therapist I had to find family and friends to be able to talk about how I'm feeling I think I've mentioned a lot of times over the guests we've had and here's the thing that it takes a real amount of courage to be able to send a message to go for a coffee to go for a walk with someone and tell them like I I don't want to be here anymore I'm really struggling I don't want to be here anymore I want to be asleep I don't I don't want to live in this day I want to I want to I want to I want to leave I don't want to be here anymore and the courage I I I posted a, a video recently on social media on our here's the thing Instagram page about courage and the courage it took me and the courage it probably takes you to talk about feelings of suicide, to talk about feelings of not want to be here anymore are, are gigantic. And that's why I said in that video that probably the most courageous thing I've ever done is talk to one of the lads I go to football with. I'm going to mention their name, somebody like Keith or Bugsy or Chris or talk to some of my family, my brother my sister, my mum, my dad, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law. The courage it takes to actually say, look, I need to talk to you, I, I don't want to be here anymore, is, is, is huge. And I don't know where I found that courage from in those days, but I'm really grateful that when I was feeling suicidal that I had to make a choice. And the choice was to either keep those thoughts in my own head or to speak to somebody about it. I'm really grateful that whenever I did speak to him about it, 
that I found people who were safe, people who were compassionate, and people who heard me out, who listened to me. When I just remember my friend Chris saying to me, I don't know, get a bit emotional when I say this, but um, my friend Chris is one of my um, best mates, has been for a long time. And I told him quite regularly in those early days that I didn't want to be here anymore, that um, I couldn't do it anymore. I just remember he sent me a message one night and he said, um, literally some some people never recover if you do that. And I, I remember he said to me, you can do this. It won't always be like this. And we were having these conversations, two blokes, and I can't tell you how vital the communication line between me and Chris were in those days because not only was it okay for me to talk about how I was feeling, but he was actively responding in a way that just really spoke to me. And I just remember him saying to me, in those early days, you can talk to me whenever you want. I'm always here for you. You can always tell me how you're feeling. And I managed to make it through those early days. Um, at that time, I was working in Starbucks and really enjoying um, working in Starbucks. A lot of people who know me and who listen to this podcast will know me as um, Starbucks Steve. And the the battle it was in those days to be facing all that stuff behind the scenes and still make coffees for most of Andrum and beyond was humongous. And I am so, so grateful for the long hours that I spent at Starbucks in those days because it got me out of my head. It got me an opportunity to meet amazing people, to have the crack, to make nice drinks, to get to know new people. And yeah, there were definitely people who yeah, I became friends with in those days who are still friends of mine today and they had no idea the stuff I was going through. But over time, I was able to share with them that I was facing a real mental health battle in those days. So I kept going to work. Finally, we found um, medication that helped me sleep, medication that helped me feel less anxious and medication that lifted my mood. And... I want to I want to just mention at this stage. I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a Christian, and I don't know if you know um, what a Christian is or Christianity is not for you. But I, I'm a Christian. I became a Christian when I was about 15 years of age. I was encouraged to go to cool stuff like BB in the early days of uh, being a kid, and was never really interested in the Bible class bit was always a bit of more about football for me but in my teenage years I started going to youth fellowship in Andrew Methodist Church and it was one night on the 5th of March the year 2000 and um, I'll never forget it Um I was watching The Simpsons in my house and I think my mom encouraged me to go to some sort of youth thing in the church then I went along to and I heard about Jesus for the first time. I mean, I'd heard about Jesus, but I mean really hear about Jesus, that he was real, that he loved me, that he had a plan for me. And they sang a song called The Potter's Hand in in those days. I think maybe they still do in some places, but um, this song was basically about the idea that God just wanted to take me, mold me and shape me into something, um, something great. 
and something in my heart that night just really resonated with what I was hearing and they asked if anybody was interested in um, becoming a Christian and I put my hand up in front of everybody um, another pretty courageous thing I've done um, in my life and yeah I know God loves me I know he's a father I know I'm his child I mess up all the time and I need him day and daily to help me but I know he's got plans for me I know that his plans for me exceed what I'm experiencing today and I want to be honest and say there's maybe not a lot of Christians who who, who talk like this but um, the reason I mentioned my faith is obviously in the last 10 or 11 years of battling mental ill health my faith has been sorely severely tested and I mentioned a few podcasts ago that my faith um, has been on the life support machine many times when it comes to my mental illness and that's that's true if you've if you watch if you've watched ER, Grey's Anatomy or The Good Doctor, you'll know that when people are in life support machines, um, generally every beep is light up. Um, it can mean they're they're at their they're at their end of their life and my face been there many times in the last ten years. Um I've been angry at God a lot. Um you remember I said at the start of our chat that my big prayer was, please, please, God, I've seen what my dad's gone through. Please don't let me go through that. And, yeah, I've been really angry at God at times. I've screamed and shouted and sweared at him. God, why, why, why are you allowing me to go through this? Why can't you stop it? Why can't you just press a big heavenly off button in the sky and stop the pain that's going on in my mind? And it's been a real battle. Um, I don't know if you know in the Bible there's um, a book called the Psalms. Um, it's a bit like reading somebody's diary. And those Psalms are mainly written by a guy called David who experienced a lot of highs and lows of life. And I found in the last 10 or 11 years that as I've read those Psalms, as I've essentially read this guy called David's diary, and he talks a lot about the struggles that he questions God, where are you, God? Where have you where have you gone? And some places he says, My tears have been my food day and night. When I've read this that's in the Bible, and as somebody who is a Christian, it's really vital that I know that in the Bible, in God's word, in the manual that God's given us to help make it through life, that right there in the in the very middles is basically this diary of this guy who was struggling. And I used to think that God was kind of okay with me questioning him, that he was kind of okay, like he let it slide. But the more that I've read the Psalms in the last decade or more, the more I see actually it's God's invitation to us. And that has been a game changer for me, the idea that God would say to me, Steve, you know what, if you're struggling, if you've got questions, if you're angry at me, you can bring them to me. I invite you to bring them to me. It is the safest space for you to bring them to. I love you. And it's, I want you to come and sit in my presence and bring your questions, bring your troubles, bring your struggles, bring them to me. And um, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy called Rick Warren. Um, he's a pastor in America and um, in the last 10 years, sadly, his son um, died. 
and they had him on TV and they were asking him about this. They were like, why, like, why, why did God allow this to happen? What does this, what does this mean for your faith? And I remember he said, yeah, I've got a lot of questions, but I'd rather walk with God and my questions than walk on my own. And I can remember the day that I heard that. And I remember thinking nothing could be more relevant for my life right now than this. Because actually being a Christian doesn't mean you don't have questions. It just simply means that you have a really safe, loving, purposeful place to bring your questions. And that really is how my faith and mental health go hand in hand. Because... Mental ill health does not mean that you should feel guilty in any way. Actually, it, it has led me to go to God more than anything else and I find a place of safety. I find a place where God will continue to remind me through his word that he's still got plans and purposes for my life despite what I'm going through. I just wanted to mention the fact that I am um, a Christian and I struggle. But I still believe God's good and I still believe that God, you'll hear me say a lot, that mental ill health is not the end of your story. And I just believe that's God's response to me so often in the last 10 or 11 years. You know what, Steve, your anxiety, your depression, your suicidal thoughts, your all of that, that is not the end of your story. There's so much more to come for you. And I, and I believe that's not just relevant for me, but that's relevant for you as well but I, I want to fast forward um, again through the last 10 or 11 years um, I'm working in Starbucks I'm on meds I'm seeing uh, a therapist I began to feel a little bit better and I'm so thankful to God that that's true if you know what it's like to battle with mental ill health you'll know how significant it is for you to wake up one day and say do you know what mum do you know what dad do you know what best mate do you know what colleague I'm actually starting to feel a bit better and those days were huge for me when I was 35 36 37 I started to feel a bit better because actually when you're struggling with your mental health you just think that's utterly impossible you're struggling with anxiety or depression or any of a number of different um, struggles, the belief that you can get better just starts to diminish. I started to feel a bit better. And I, in those days, sounds like I'm talking about 100 years ago, but in those days, I would frantically look through the podcast directory on my phone or somebody who was talking about the things that I'm going through. And... I listened to a mental health podcast, which I would really encourage you to listen to, called The Mental Illness Happy Hour. It's from America, and it is phenomenal. And I would hide under the covers in those days, listening to this podcast from America, talk about anxiety and depression, talk about how it's normal to talk about it, talk about how it's possible for you to um, battle through, and there's so much more to come for you than what you're just going through. And it was just a real anchor for me to hold on to and I I remember very clearly hearing these American accents 
and thinking to myself, what about one from Northern Ireland? And I can't honestly say that I had the thought, what about one from Northern Ireland? And immediately thought, what about me? But I just remember thinking it would be so cool if there were more podcasts from Northern Ireland, from our wee country. We were talking about mental health with our amazing accent. I remember sitting with this as I listened to further podcasts in those days. Um, You'll know if you've struggled with your mental health, that hearing sticking your earphones in and when you can't sleep and listen to people listen to guests talk about things you're going through just how vital it is for you it actually just makes you feel like you know these people makes you feel less alone makes you just feel like what you're going through isn't weird and you're not weird and you're not you're not you're not unique in what you're going through I think just in those days I began to think, well, I wonder, I don't know the first thing about starting a podcast. Um, I'm grateful to people who I'm sitting in a room with right now who do, but I just remember thinking, I, I mean, I, I mean, I could definitely start a podcast, even if 10 people listened to it from Antrim and 10 people felt encouraged and 10 people felt less weird and 10 people felt like their story's not over and 10 people felt less suicidal and 10 people felt more hopeful than it would be totally worth it. And in those days, I contacted my friend Ruth. Ruth, if you're listening, the podcast wouldn't be here without you in those early days. And Ruth and I started Here's the Thing about a year and a half ago. And we didn't really majorly know what we're doing. Um, We just wanted to create a podcast that brought hope to people that listened. And the general idea was, let's get some guests on. Let's talk about things that maybe, maybe people are scared to talk about, like suicide, depression, anxiety, self-care, burnout, and all of the other things that we've discussed in this podcast. And the podcast just really um, taken off from there. Um, And God's just opened doors for me to chat about mental health and mental illness and my own experience um, I've had the opportunity to um, share on Belfast Live several times I have been on another couple of podcasts again I'm not a, I'm not an expert in any way I think I think whenever you've experienced what I've experienced when it comes to mental ill health, it doesn't really make you an expert. It just makes you somebody who's really compassionate and makes you makes you really passionate about any opportunity you have with chatting out. So, chatting about your mental health anywhere. So I've spoken a few newspapers, a few local news apps, and got the opportunity about a year and a half ago to chat to UTV. Which thank you, Jude Hill, if you're listening, um, friend Jude, who worked for UTV at the time, gave me an opportunity just to share my burden for the fact that in in our wee country it's so hard to get help when it comes to mental illness and at that time I was working two jobs and the second job was really to pay for me to go private with my um, therapy and basically the interview was just listen I've just worked in school at what nine to three half three and I'm heading to another job at four and working to eleven or twelve 
Uh, the reason I'm doing that is not so I can go on a cruise or not so I can go to America for the summer, but so that I can um, pay for help. And basically, the interview was just a challenge to our um, political representatives, and I don't want to get political in any way, um, to make mental health care and help accessible to anybody in Northern Ireland, whatever your background is, whatever your financial situation is. I just, I believe it's the job of our local politicians to make sure you can still get help. And you should not, whether you've got a 10 million in your bank account or you've got 10p in your bank account, that shouldn't matter when it comes to getting help for what's going on in your mind. And basically that was the conversation. And I had a lot of conversations in those in those days and weeks after that interview with some of our politicians and I I was basically saying let's get the finger out here it's time to get the finger out we're far too we're far too bored in Northern Ireland talking about all the old issues we need we need help for people who are struggling with their mental health in Northern Ireland and it Honestly, one of the main motivating factors for um, this podcast is the fact that Northern Ireland's the highest suicide rate in the UK. And that really bothers me. It really makes me want to get involved. It really makes me want to talk, talk about my mental health because Northern Ireland's the highest in the UK when it comes to people who want to end their own life. I think we need to do more, both at a political level and at an individual level. So the last 18 months have been a real uh, whirlwind. We, I have had some amazing conversations with people. Um, I am not an expert. I don't know what I'm doing. I just have a mouth, a big mouth. And any opportunity I've had in the last 18 months to share about anything to do with mental health, whether it be on the podcast, um, one of my favourite days we've had in the last 18 months has been um, World Mental Health Day. Um, back in October, we had the opportunity just to go out on the streets of Antrim with a couple of signs and stickers and buns and different other things and basically just remind motorists going to work and coming home from work that their mental health matters. It was just a really simple idea. It shows you how much I, I wing being any sort of a mental health advocate because I just mentioned the, the handy and Karen let's let's get some signs and hold them up <laughs> and that was basically the plan and we just had an incredible day a really a real big bunch of people from Antrim who were interested in this idea came and helped us um, and we did it before school and after school and I just had this moment um, it was probably one of the most emotional moments in the last 10 or 11 years. Um, it was after school. We were down outside um, St. Congles Chapel in Antrim holding up a sign. And there were about three lanes of traffic, absolutely bunged, gridlocked, round a roundabout. And a lady called me over. And it was one of these moments where I didn't consider the fact that there were three lanes of traffic and cars everywhere. I just walked across the road in this woman wound on her window and um, sort of gave me a high five and said thank you for what you're doing um, someone in my family passed away recently um, and you're doing a great job and she held my hand and I held hers and I came back across the 
three lanes of traffic and it just puts some wind in my sails in terms of being a random 39 year old guy from Andrum who speaks out about his mental health every now and again and um, that's that's really the reason why we do what we do that's why there's a, a podcast here um, I just want to say thank you to the people who make the podcast um, what it is often whenever you're the, the mouthpiece um, of the podcast like I am um, everybody thinks it must be you that does everything but um, the podcast is only alive and kicking because of Stephen Henderson, aka Handy. You, you might well know he's had his own battles with mental um, ill health and has shared them on this podcast. He is the producer of the podcast, and everything that somebody like me doesn't know what to do to make a podcast possible to be heard in your ears, he knows how to do. Um, not only is he my friend, not only has he been there for me on my dark days, but he's just great at what he does when it comes to the podcast. Also, your friend Karen uh, Barnes, you might know Karen from the Spars. She now works in Park Hall, uh, integrated with me. She is the social media content person. She takes photos better than anyone I know, and she's a videographer as well. I say videographer like I know what it means, but just for me, it's just somebody who takes a good video. So takes good video as well so these guys um, make the podcast what it is and we did mention you probably heard our our um our sponsor we've we've been basically funding this podcast ourselves um for the last while and we all have jobs and we all have um different things going on and we could not be more grateful for peter stevenson and Wallace who decided to sponsor us at christmas helps us pay our fees, helps us with equipment, helps us with marketing, helps us with so many other costs that we have. Um, so thank you, Peter. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Handy. Thank you, Ruth. Um, thank you, people who listen to the podcast. We just hope that you know that you're loved. We hope that you know that whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're going through right now, whether you were you were, you're where I was in my late 20s, just falling apart, wanting to end it. We just hope they know that storms pass. The big waves, as big and scary as they are, crash and run out of power. We just want you to know that no matter how dark the night is, the sun comes up in the morning. And we just want you to hold on and want you to know that there's so much for you that's beyond what you're going through right now. And basically that's why the podcast here, we want somebody who's listening. And there's quite a big chance because one in four people struggle with their mental health. It's quite There's quite big possibility that you're listening right now and you've encountered some of these things. We just want you to know that there's so much more to your story that anxiety, that depression, that feeling suicidal is not the way it's always going to be. That there's help for you. The biggest help for me in the last 10 years have been prayer. I don't know if you pray, but I pray. And in the last 10 or 11 years, I prayed like a, like I was out at sea without a, without 
any sort of help. Like I prayed that way. Like I didn't pray like, God bless mommy, daddy, my brother and sister. Like I'm praying like, God, you gotta help me. You gotta help me make it through the night. You gotta help me at this appointment. You gotta help these meds work. God, you gotta help me. I need your help. Sometimes it would just say help time and time again. But prayer is a big help for me. Um, I want to mention exercise. Um, if you're following our Instagram at the moment, um, I, I wouldn't say it's an experiment, but I just want to do a little exercise with my life to just remind me how much physical exercise can help my both physical health and mental health. So I have challenged myself to do 300 walks in two years, 2024. Um, I think I'm on like 55 or 56 right now. So exercise is massive when it comes to boosting my mental health. When I go for a walk these days, my anxiety just feels far far away from me. My mood lifts. I feel a sense of achievement when I'm feeling crappy. I post it online. A few people like say, well done. Just makes me feel better. And if you're able in any way to do some exercise to help boost your physical and mental health, I would strongly encourage it. So said prayer, exercise. I've mentioned therapy and counselling. There's loads of places out there that you can go to for free, places like Pips, where you can phone them up. And if you can't if you can't afford to either wait on the NHS to see somebody or pay privately, that you can get seen to by Pips pretty much straight away. So it's on our Instagram page. It's pinned on our Instagram page. The phone number's there. You can contact them and they will get someone to speak to you as soon as possible. Um, I would say opening up to family and friends. Please be brave. Please don't keep it in your head. It might sound strange. It might sound weird in your head. But what you will find is there are good people around you. I would not be here if it weren't for good people in my life who made it a safe space for me to talk about my mental health. Friends and family. I would also mention medication as well. As, as difficult it was for me to find the right meds, medication are a major help when it comes to, to mental illness. And I, for such a long time, couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep without feeling anxious. Couldn't stop feeling anxious when I was awake, feeling low. That there are some amazing meds and tablets out there that can boost all these things. Um, so please, if any of those can be a help to you, please, yeah, please jump in um, wherever you can. Um, final point is, people ask about the podcast all the time. Um, we are committed to doing 2024. Um, the podcast for us is a lot of work for for Heavy and Karen who do loads of stuff behind the scenes and so often on Instagram my job's just to post stuff they've done. Um, it's a lot of work for us and we are just about managing um, with the podcast and we um, are committed to continue to Christmas. Um, as for Christmas and beyond we always... Um, decide to commit another year and, and see where we are from there 
we're so grateful for feedback. We're so grateful to people who um, message us on a daily basis to say they've heard the podcast and it has been a help to them or encouragement to them. And thank you for that. Um, yeah, we we just hope that we can pretend continue to make it normal to talk about mental health health issues. We hope that we can continue to remind people that there's so much more to them than what they're going through right now. We hope we can remind you if you're on the other side of the of the fence right now and you're dealing with a friend or family member or colleague who's struggling, that you're doing everything you can to make the conversation, to make the cup of coffee, to make the lift in the car, to make the walk the safest space you can. And um, we're just committed to to these things and trying to just raise our voices for these things and remind people that there's so much more to them than what they're going through right now. If any of this has been a help to you, if you're struggling and you need to speak to your doctor, please speak to your doctor. If you need counselling, please reach out and speak to somebody. Or even just if you're struggling right now, please reach out to a friend or family member, send a text, hover over the send button like I did on WhatsApp and message your friends and tell them what's going on in your mind. Is help available? And there is so much more than what you're going through right now. It will pass. It will pass. It will pass. Thank you for listening to a little glimpse of my story on March's podcast. I didn't think it was fair for me to um, ask people to come from all over the country um, and bear their souls on this podcast without me sharing some of the um, more difficult moments in my life and some of the moments that I can celebrate and I'm grateful for. Um, so keep on keeping on and thanks for listening to March's edition of Here's the Thing.